Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, it's Dra and Jackie. And this is our 60th episode. Oh, oh Jackie. I repeat. <laughs> Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> what year is it? It's chilly in here and this food is too spicy. <laughs> um, obviously we know 60 isn't that old. No. <laughs> sorry, mom. But <laughs> she's gonna be mad. <laughs> <laughs> My mom too. I'm sorry, mom. Um <laughs> But no, 60, that is such a... 60 is a new 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, J-Lo is 50 years old. Oh, How my crazy was that? Atlanta, J-Lo, I don't know what you're doing, girl, but I won't put my face in whatever you're doing. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> that was a joke <laughs> that I made earlier. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Um, but anywho, you guys... We've been here for 60 episodes. You've been with us for 60 episodes. Thank you so much. This has been such a wild adventure. Super fun. Um, and in celebration of our 60th episode, mm-hmm. we're going to celebrate Mardi Gras. Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday. Wah, 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 wah. That's me doing the... In case you don't know, Mardi Gras is tomorrow, February 25th. Um, and so, in case you don't know anything about Mardi Gras, I'm going to get give it to you fast and dirty. All the little I facts. I don't really know anything about it, other than it's in New Orleans and it's a party. Yeah, so Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday. That We learned that 10 seconds ago. I know, and that blew my mind it's an interesting fact (laughs) um and so it's kind of like the last day for catholics to indulge in whatever they want to indulge in because the next day is ash wednesday so that's when lent so that's not a coincidence Mm -mm. yeah they're hand in hand yeah i was looking at the calendar earlier and i was like oh look at these things all (laughs) lining up up. this week (laughs) um but yeah so that kind of um marks the beginning of lent and so where you can't do anything you you give something up for jesus right not Jesus. For, so, the, for God. The, for godliness. Yes. For religious reasons. Not the best one to ask. Uh, yeah. Um, I ran for a Catholic, like when I <laughs> ran track, it was mm-hmm. for Christ the King, but uh, oh. no, no other church. Yeah, I know. Great. That's my interaction with Catholicism. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. So I know nothing about it. Um, okay, so Mardi Gras has actually been a long time tradition um, with European Christians. And some people think that Mardi Gras celebrations um, kind of have their origins in uh, springtime orgies of the ancient Roman times. Oh, um, a lot of religions pull holidays mm-hmm. from others. They're like, join yeah. our club. We do it. That We do that too. <laughs> Come over here. It's fine. <laughs> um, but essentially, uh, Mardi Gras is one of the bigger celebrations. It's not just celebrated there. Uh, or sorry, in New Orleans. I know what you meant. Um, and yeah, so you go, you go have fun, booze and beads and food and... You go hard because you're going to be mm-hmm. all pious the next uh, day. Uh, um, and that's pretty much my uh, summary of Mardi Gras. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm getting looks from everyone. <laughs> yeah. Kim, yeah. Kimmery, put your look away. Put your look in a book. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Kimry wants us to talk about the cocktail, I suppose. The cocktail <laughs> is called the Mardi Gras. Uh, the Mar- 
<laughs> the Mardi Gras is always greener. One more time. I couldn't decide if I wanted to say Mardi Gras is always greener <laughs> oh. or if I wanted and I got caught in the middle well, of Mardi it. Mardi Gras is always greener. The Mardi Gras is always greener was the cocktail. And that's the whole reason why the whole Fat Tuesday of this episode that week and all those things. They're what? all interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make sense. What no. are you talking about? Are you saying that's why we're doing this cocktail? We did this cocktail because the week is, Mar- is Mardi Gras. Tomorrow's like, Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah. This is all in the future, Dre. I'm trying to get it all right in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it is February 7th right now. <laughs> Don't tell them our secrets. Don't look behind the curtain. Pay no attention to the man. Um, These but- are live. <laughs> But yeah, unedited and live. <laughs> oh no, you don't want that. Uh, but our really good friend Tatiana came by and she made these cocktails for us. Yes. Um, so definitely check out our Instagram. So Tatiana was on for our uh, Valentine's episode for the Cranny Be My Valentine, and she taught us a couple drinks. So she taught us how to do the Cranny Be My Valentine, but she also taught us the Mardi Gras is always greener. Mm-hmm. Mardi Gras is always greener. Yes. Because she loves puns. Uh, yes. yes. Oh, my God. She's super punny. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> she's very funny. Yeah. And uh, so then we made them again, like, and now we're having them for our Fat Tuesday episode. Yeah. And um, because the name probably doesn't give you any hint of what we're drinking right now, it's kind of like a whiskey sour. Um, like a really good. Oh, super I good. Like- so, again, she does the keto-friendly cocktails. Mm-hmm. And so she uses a monk fruit. Uh, for her complicated syrup um, instead of sh- regular sugar. And then instead of using triple sec, she used the... Combier. Yes, exactly. And so it just gives it a nicer finish than just triple triple sec. Mm-hmm. So, was, um, yeah, so must we learned. Yeah, definitely go over to our Instagram, get that recipe. And I definitely highly recommend drinking along with us on this episode. For sure. Um, so, yeah, that kind of wraps that up cocktail hour. Is it time for a tale? It is. A tale's murder. Would you like me to tell you a story? Yes, always. All right, Drea. Mm -hmm. This one, uh, primarily uh, Wikipedia, almost exclusively, with the exception of, I listen to a couple podcasts, uh, one called Thinking Sideways. So uh, this is a very well-known story that many people have talked about. And so I want to kind of get a couple different people's takes on it. But the info itself is pretty cut and dry. There's not a lot of uh, argument about it. All right. So it's May 22nd, 1918. Mm. Uh, Joseph Maggio and his wife, Catherine, are sleeping. Um, I don't know if you picked up by their names, but they're Italian. Oh, okay. Um, And they own, run like a bar, kind of corner store, grocery spot. Um, in New Orleans. Oh. So that's my tie. Okay. Mardi New Orleans, Gras. Mardi Gras. I like it. I like it. So I believe where they live is somehow connected to the store. It's either above it or behind it, but it's like one of those, like, they live attached to the store. So uh, in the middle of the night, there is a break-in, and they are, so the way the door, they took a chisel, whoever broke in took a chisel. And unlike our doors now, they had like panes of wood, like you had a big frame and then like thinner panes of wood. So they chiseled through the middle of the door so that they could get in. Like a where's Johnny kind of situation? Oh, yeah. (gasps) Yes. Very much like that. No, 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 no. Okay. So this person breaks in, they go back, they find Joseph and Catherine and slit both of their throats with with a straight razor. What? 
So Catherine is cut a lot deeper than Joseph. Okay. And then using their own axe from their home, this person just kind of starts like... What I don't know is like always with the blade or maybe like with the back. It's also like a crazy hammer. Okay, so while Catherine essentially dies pretty immediately, Joseph doesn't um, immediately succumb to his wounds. So he's kind of like banging and his brothers live next door. So then the brothers come running in, but this is like two hours after the attack. So I don't know how long he was banging or if he had to like get somewhere to bang against a wall um but when the brothers get there essentially like a couple minutes later he dies oh so police find the so they get the joseph's body and Catherine's body out they find uh bloody clothes from the killer that have just been discarded there at the house what so they don't know if he like brought a change of clothes or if he took, took clothes from yeah. joseph um but then they didn't really investigate other than that. What? So later, like Wait, a neighbor, they just like didn't really search the house. Didn't really like. So like just, it's a wrap. It just isn't home. much of an investigation. Okay. So then later they find a bloody razor, the bloody straight razor that was used on their throats in like the yard. Oh my God. Um, or excuse me, the neighbor finds it in their yard. Yeah. So... What's the deal with this razor? Mm-hmm. The razor belongs to Homeboy's brother. What? What? The brother, Andrew, who found him, uh-huh. works at, runs, owns, he has some sort of association with a barbershop down the street. Okay. And it's like one of his like barbershop straight razors. A couple days prior, an employee was like, oh yeah, Andrew was like, hey, there's like a nick or a burr in the blade. I'm going to take it home and hone it. Oh! <gasps> So and like initials on it, like how do they know it's his? He might have said it was. I I don't, I don't know. I feel like okay, but I, but Andrew isn't saying it's not his. Okay. So at first, the police are like, "Dude, it's Andrew. Andrew found him." In mm-hmm. quotation marks. Here's his knife. All this stuff. But then, oh, and they're and they're also like, "Hey, Andrew, how come? You, I mean, you guys live next door. Why didn't you hear?" Anything. The attack. Yeah. And Andrew's like, oh, well, I was out and I was partying mm-hmm. and I'm joining the Navy and I'm going to be leaving. So, like, I was shit-faced. Oh. And so I was, I got home super late and then I also was kind of drunk and that's probably why I didn't hear, but I did eventually hear him and I went over and, I mean, it's my brother. My brother died. So they kind of scrutinize Andrew's story and then eventually they're like, you know what? It's not Andrew. He kind of has an alibi, and I guess the other brother's there, too. So eventually they're like, it's not Andrew. So then, um, so that was at the end of May. So now it's the morning of June 27th. It's like 7 a.m., and there's a delivery guy, and he's coming to deliver. Uh, he's got, like, bakery stuff to drop off. This is at a, a another grocery store. Mm-hmm. So the other guy was an Itali- Italian grocer. So now we have another italian grocer's house okay who lives attached to the market i'm sensing a theme um so the guy goes and he's like no one's answering it's kind of weird i'll go around i'll go around the back and i'll see what's up with the owner so he goes to the back and the the door is damaged looks like it's been chiseled through Mm. um so he goes in and that's where he finds louis bessemer 
and uh, his lady friend, potentially not his wife. And um, they're both laying in a puddle of blood. Oh, my gosh. So the lady's name is uh, Harriet, Harriet Lowe. Um, so then he finds L- Louis's axe in the bathroom that's obviously been used on them. Mm-hmm. And every and like and the chisels also left. Mm-hmm. So the chisels they don't ever think came from the house because he's using that to break in and yeah. leaves it. But then he uses stuff from in the house. Yeah, and he's attacked. That's common. Like there's been a couple of axe murders where they use the axe from that house. And it's crazy common back then that everyone has an axe because yeah. everybody has a wood burning stove. Yeah, so everybody needs a hatchet. Everybody. So it's a pretty. You know that's going to be in a, in most houses. Yeah. Um, okay. So then he. The delivery guy gets in. He finds their bodies. He's like, oh, no, oh, no. Then uh, they both end up living. What? They're attacked, but they <gasps> end up uh, living. Oh, my God. So then Harriet is like, um, she kind of has some wild ideas as to, she kind of goes back and forth in terms of who she thinks it was. Mm-hmm. So Harriet's like, uh, I let this guy go at my job like a week ago. I think it was him. Yeah. So then they go and they're like running. It's kind of this farce of going after this African-American guy who's like, what? What? Then eventually he has an alibi and he answers quite. And they're like, okay, it wasn't him. Yeah. Then when they're in. So now they're doing a little bit better of an investigation. So they're going through Louis's stuff. And in a trunk, they find all these letters written in German and Russian and Yiddish. And they go, oh, this guy's probably a spy. Mm-hmm. He's a German spy. That's actually what I thought. I was like, he's a spy. <laughs> so You're only a spy if you know that many languages. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, uh. He's a spy. And then Harry, they talk to Harriet, and Harriet's like, oh, yeah, I, I think he's a spy, too. Based on what you're telling me, I mm-hmm. think he's a spy. And they're like, okay, Harriet. Um, <laughs> so then they arrest him, and they're like, dude's a spy. Then pretty quickly, the officers that arrested him are demoted, and they're like, you guys can't be detectives anymore. And then they let him go, and they're like, you're not a spy. Yeah. Then uh, Harriet's like, you know what? So she was pretty deformed. She uh, was paralyzed on one side of her face. Uh-huh. So she was going. So she had lived from, from from the attack. From the attack. Uh-huh. So now they're like, let's put you into a surgery and let's try and save some of this. What time of year? Or this is nineteen eighteen. No, don't do that. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. <laughs> so she goes in for this restorative surgery, no. and it ends up kind of killing her. Weird. So when she's reco- what do you mean kind of killing her? <laughs> well, so she gets it doesn't. <laughs> so. She doesn't die in the surgery. Yeah. She's recovering, but she's oh, dying. Poor girl. Oh, my so God. So this is when she's like, you know what? Um, Louis is the one who attacked me. You're just going to throw shade on your deathbed? You're just yeah. going to... She's like, it was Louis. So then they're like, okay. So then they arrest Louis, and he's found guilty. Or they arrest him. I think he goes, goes to jail, and then it takes a while. He's basically in jail for like nine months. Uh-huh. And then eventually he like gets the trial and they t- 10 minute deliberation from the jury and they're like he didn't oh, do it Jesus. and he's out yeah so he's in jail for a little bit because of her like deathbed confession that he killed her god um okay all of each one of these is just kind of like weird in its own way yeah so then on the evening of august 5th 1918 so we were in may we were in june so now it's august that's kind of how the calendar works mm-hmm <laughs> We skipped a couple. There was a July in there. Oh, wow. But nothing. (laughs) That's how calendars work, Drea. (laughs) A very pregnant 28-year-old Anna uh, Scheider 
um, she's attacked. So she wakes up and there's a dark figure over her bed. No. <laughs> yeah. No. She wakes up and she's like, oh, and then he just proceeds to like strike blows. No. So her husband, Ed, comes home a little bit after midnight. He was working late. He comes back and police believe that she was beaten with a lamp that the dude found in their house. Okay. I think they found a smashed up lamp and we're like, yeah. I guess this matches with what's going on. Like she's just all sorts of demolished but she's she lives oh no um i mean good but yeah oh that's so but she also awful can't really remember yeah. anything oh. so originally they're trying to pin it on a local criminal who like can't you know account for his whereabouts but then eventually they, so each time so, this happens mm-hmm. they're like it's this dude mm-hmm. and then it ends up not being that dude and then the same so now they're starting to see a pattern of like these similar crimes so that was august 5th so then later in August, so after the 5th, this dude, Joseph Romano, he's attacked. So he's this dude. His nieces live uh, in the, they sleep in the room next door. So they hear all these noises and they're like, let's go check on Uncle Joseph. So they go in and they find him with these like two large cuts to his head. And they see this dude <gasps> fleeing. Like out a window? They, yeah, like running away. So they give a description to the police. Yeah. Um, Joseph's pretty badly injured but like mobile so he walks to the ambulance but then he ends up dying like two days later yeah don't let him walk to the ambulance that's why they don't let you do that anymore you have two it's 1918 holes in your head smash smash oh my god so a bloody axe is found in the backyard yeah and their back door is damaged with a chisel yeah okay so this one really sets the town off and everyone's like um we're kind of freaked out. There seems to be an axe murderer running around New Orleans. Literally, yeah. Um, so police are getting reports. People are finding axes in their yards. Mm. Everyone's reporting all these, like, lurking people and, yeah. like, people hanging out late at night. So theories are, like, swirling around. And this one detective, he's, try- he's like, I've created a profile. And I think that this is, like, a real-life Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think he's like a normal man during the day, and then he wigs out at night. Mm. And he says, so there's a little bit of debate that there's these crimes that happened in 1910, mm-hmm. 1911, and 1912 mm-hmm. that are similar, but also kind of different. Like <laughs> uh, where like broke in, stole stuff. Everything else, there's never any thieveries or robberies okay. in these ones that I've been telling you. So in like the first one that they're kind of attributing to it, they're like, Okay, they stole, he like stole a birdcage and like let a bird out and like attacked this couple. Then there was another one where he shot them and in none of these other ones is there a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one where they used like a cleaver. So they're like, is this his early days and then he developed into who he is? Mm. Or was that just kind of, it's New Orleans and it's the early 1900s and people be murdering people? Yeah. Okay, so. Wait, do we ever find out or? We don't really know. That's kind of up for debate. Okay. Okay, so then March 10th, 1919, mm-hmm. so next year, it's okay, it's okay, work. <laughs> my brain went to 1999, oh my god. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> 1919, right before 1920. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right after 1918. <laughs> yeah. You've got Charles Cortamiglia. Ooh. So Italian. Yeah. Um, him and his wife, Rosie, and they've got a baby. Is this just a, a large population of Italian folks in this town? Yeah. A lot okay. of them are grocers. So it's not like someone's targeting that population. It just so they happens. They believe so. Oh, oh, they oh. do start to believe like, is someone going after Italian Americans? Gotcha. Then they start swirling like, is it the mob? <gasps> 
There's always ties to yeah, yeah, yeah. The science and the mob. So, yeah. and they never really went anywhere with it. No, no, what's going on there? Interesting. Okay, so you've got uh, this husband and wife, and they got this baby. So their neighbor, E. Orlando Giordano, who's a grocer. <laughs> he, okay, how many groceries are there? That's why I think they're more like corner stores. Okay. They call them grocers, uh-huh. but I, I feel like they got to be just like corner stores. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so he hears all this mayhem across the street. So he goes running over. His son might go with him. Um, and he can see that all three of them have been attacked. So Rosie's standing in like a doorway. She's holding her dead baby and dude's on the ground. So what dude? Uh, Charles. Oh, okay. So Charles and Rosie are married. Gotcha. Charles is on the ground. He's gotcha. been attacked. Rosie's been attacked. And the baby girl has been attacked. Oh, man. So then uh, at the hospital, Charles and, and Rosie, they both have skull fractures. Like all these people keep being like gnarly attacked, but living. I hate it. Which is crazy to me. So the human body is amazing. Yeah. So again, nothing stolen. Again, backdoor damage with a chisel meets all those things. So Rosie, uh, Charles gets out of the hospital first and then Rosie gets out later and she's like, um, it, it was your, how do you say his name? Irolando. It was the Giordano's. It was that dude. He's 69 years old and his 18 year old son. They're the ones that attacked us. What? And Charles is like, ah, uh, babe, no, they're not. Yeah. And she will not back down. So, but they why are, would you think that? You could. We'll get to that. Okay. But you could say, um, like, if you're Charles and you're trying to figure out why your wife is saying, like, that you're, it's trauma. trauma. Yeah. You saw them. They were helping you. You've misremembered. Yeah. You know. There's yeah, stuff. That's true. So, they're tried and they're convicted. <gasps> oh no. Uh, the older dude gets life in prison. The younger dude is sentenced to be hung. Oh my gosh. So then Charles divorces Rosie and he's like, you're, what are you doing? Yeah. And then about a year later, she finally confesses <gasps> and says that she made it up out of jealousy and spite. For what? For the other grocer? What's going on? I don't know. Calm down. So Stop since, lying. Since her testimony what? is the only reason that they're in, they both are released. Okay. So no one died. No one was hung. Oh my. Nobody, isn't that crazy? Just a year of my life gone. Yep. Thanks, Rosie. After saving them. That's insane. She like straight up was like, I made it up or I misremembered. She No, she admits she said it out of jealousy. Are you annoyed? So annoyed. <laughs> so annoyed right now. Okay, continue. Okay. Uh, Sanaga's kind of weird. Now it's weird? It's going to be weird. It's so weird already. On March 13th, 1919. Mm-hmm. A letter supposedly from the Axeman himself uh-huh. is sent to papers and they publish it. Mm. And he's telling everyone that he's going to kill again on the night of March 19th at 12.15 a.m. But he will not attack any place that is playing live jazz music. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, of course, that night, dance halls are packed. Yeah. People are hiring anybody willing to play any kind of jazz there's a ton of house parties oh because they don't have like a record thing or i think he also specifies live jazz oh, oh. which is why now then there's like a weird conspiracy theory that he's like a jazz musician the musician that's <laughs> he's like trying to get work <laughs> yeah oh my gosh uh and there are no murders that night okay so you could think that that's the actual murderer putting like in a real like zodiacy kind of way mm-hmm. taunting everybody or it could be completely unrelated and someone's like here's this crazy like read the letter like google it it's nuts the dude is 
<laughs> He's crazy. Uh, and that could be the murderer. It could not be. All right. So there's that. So then a few months go by. And now you've got Steve Boca, another grocer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. Yeah. Have they all been grocers? No, but mm. many of them are. Okay. Uh, but let me tell you, if I'm Italian-American and I run a grocery store, I'm going to be a little nervous. I'm changing p- p- professions. Yeah. I'm opening up a library. So he's attacked in his bed. This is August 10th. He's attacked in his bed. Uh, he, like, gets up and runs away. He's got a split head, runs to his neighbor's house, collapses. Again, nothing stolen, back door broken in, chiseled in, chisels there. Uh, he lives, but has no memory of the attacker. Yeah, you got bonked in the head. Yeah, real bonked. Jeez. September 3rd, 1919. Neighbors go to check on a young lady named Sarah Lawman after presumably hearing a commotion. She doesn't answer the door, so they break her door down. They find her all beat up, severe head injuries. She's missing some teeth. Oh. Uh, this time, they think he gained entry through an open window. Yeah. Um, and they found an axe in the front yard. She lives. Can't remember any details. Then brings us to Mike Pepitone. Pepitone. He is believed to be the last known attack by the New Orleans Axemen. Yeah, th- this has been a lot so far. On October 27th, 1919, his wife, so I think they're in different rooms. His wife uh, like wakes up to a loud noise, goes to check on Mike. His room is just covered in blood. Oh. He's covered in blood. <gasps> and she sees a man with an axe nope. running away. Okay. Out the window. Again. And then it just stops. Interesting. Wait, are you... They don't know who he was. Are you shitting me? I had to have. I assumed you'd heard this story a couple times. Ah, yeah, but you know my memory's so bad. Yeah, I just like a raging year and a half in New Orleans. Dude, be bopping people. A year and a half ish yeah wow unless you count the earlier like the nine ten. that's such a short amount of time Mm -hmm. so like did he die you know did he die did he end up in prison did Mm -hmm. he get eaten by a gator things happen in new orleans (laughs) did he move on and then he did other stuff elsewhere did he meet a nice gal who owned a grocer got him him to settle down (laughs) and they opened a a grocery store yeah um i wonder if because there's another axe murderer who i think they realized started taking the train system because he'd get off the train kill people get back on the train and go so like there was never any trace Mm. so i wonder i don't know what the timeline of all that is but yeah Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be crazy that'd be crazy (gasps) jackie that was brilliant Thank well, you. well done. Thank you. Mardi Gras thanks you. <laughs> <laughs> the letter, isn't the jazz part of it so random? That is so, and it like never comes up again on anything. Mm-mm. I wonder, do you think it was him? Do you think it was actually the murderer? Hard to know. Everything else is so, there's no other, ta- I would think if you're going to taunt in that way, mm-hmm. you're taunting at the crime scene too. Yeah. I, I feel like that's unrelated. Yeah. Oh, <gasps> There's, okay, there's a little bit more. I can't believe I forgot about this. Uh-huh. There was, ugh, this is worth Googling. There's a guy who had some sort of camera. He was into cameras. And there's a New Orleans guy. 1919? Uh-huh. Cameras are like. Hold still for an hour. Exactly. So this guy has this project. <gasps> and he has these cameras set up all around New Orleans. Yeah, being a weirdo. On what these, you doing? On these crazy time lapses. So it was like, and like all he's, it's like a photo project. He's like, here's a, I'm gonna set this camera on this street and it's just gonna take a photo. 
So there's this one, and and, he, and like there was a blur on one of them, and he's like, oh, I can't use that, and like ended up like it's forgot about it for forever. Somehow these photos show up. Somehow all this story emerges, and everyone now everyone's all a buzz because there's one random photo that the timestamp date when it would have been taken is pointed at the door of one of the people who was attacked and there's like a shadowy figure of a man and so there's whole this whole like internet thing that's like this dude inadvertently captured a picture of the axe man and then there's everyone else being like none of this story is true so it's a real like conspiracy theory Uh, i love conspiracy but isn't that fun that's amazing that's and like it's a terrible foot like you can't tell anything yeah Enhance. 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 Um, oh, I want to see it. I'm going to look it up. That's crazy. Yeah. Axeman in New Orleans. So there you go. Oh, okay, you guys. Well, we are going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Hey guys, welcome to the mid roll. It's mid roll. Mid roll time. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Okay, so right off the top, we got another email about hot air ballooning. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going Convince to... me to get on this air balloon. Okay, so we have a lovely uh, listener. Uh, her Instagram handle is SoapLady69, mm-hmm. and she's always uh, like commenting with us, and yeah. she's great. And she emailed us, and she said, y'all should come to Albuquerque, New Mexico in October. Cause that's Did when... she write y'all? No, I did that. Because uh. <laughs> um, that's when the International Balloon Festival is going on. International? International. Yeah, that's what... Is this like Quilts and Sisters? Like, that big a deal? <laughs> yeah, and that's big. I know. So she's like, there's hot air balloons, but there's a festival going on, and there's like music and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the balloons sometimes have different shapes. I thought you were going to say sometimes, like, fall in the crowd. No. That's not what they do. <laughs> it's very professional. Do you think if someone had died at one of the International Balloon Festival things, they would keep going? All it takes is one. Anyways. I'll go to this festival with you, but I don't need to get in this balloon. Why not? Why do I need to? The views. The experience. Would you jump from a plane? Would you do a... I I haven't. Would would you? I have 10 fused vertebrae. Probably not. Hmm. Anywho... She says we should come on out and and, and enjoy this festival. So. I would love to do all those things except for getting a hot air balloon. Damn it, I'm going to get you. You guys keep sending us these hot air balloon stories packs. because we're going to get her. Um, but besides that, I also want to give a big shout out to our sponsors. We got some new ones. Uh, thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you so much, Madison. Yeah. Y'all rock my socks. Um, Your I, mismatched socks. <laughs> yeah. Blast you out. Trey's socks never match. It doesn't matter. It feels <laughs> intentional. You tell me that you're just grabbing socks, but by pure happenstance, yeah. they would sometimes match. And, and they, they sometimes never do. match. And it's a magical. Yes. Mm. You've been there when they've matched. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. I'm not going to get into this with you right now. Okay. We also <laughs> have some sponsors who are reoccurring. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to those reoccurring sponsors. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Nace. And thank you, Carrie. Yeah. You guys rock. <laughs> You're mismatching socks out. Yes, yes, yes. Um, oh, and then, you guys, we have another sponsor. Ba-ba-ba. A clothes sponsor. Oh, yeah. We no longer have to be naked while we record. <laughs> it's been so drafty and cold in here. You guys, it was a cold winter. <laughs> it was a tad bit nipply. All right? <laughs> 
I think Kimberly's dying. Um, <laughs> but big shout out to Heart and Arrow Gear. Um, that's her um, uh, tag on Instagram. Jaya, do you hear this? What is that? What do you? Oh, you're also you're always Russell crowing. This <laughs> this is a package from Heart and Arrow. Yeah. Okay, let's open it. Okay. Give it she a pull. Was super nice. She um, came up on our Instagram and saw that we were super into true crime. These are soft. <gasps> oh my god, you guys! She sent us. The softest shirts. What's it say? It says, blessed, stressed, and true crime obsessed. This is lovely. These are all things. I would say... This is nice. Sometimes I'm blessed. Sometimes I'm stressed. I'm always stressed. And I also love true crime. (laughs) (laughs) You give me such a look like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My cortisol levels are off the charts. Anyways, so (laughs) these are so soft. I love this color, too. It's like a sage green. Do you know what's going to happen with this? I, just look at this real quick. What's, yeah, what's that? Your eyes? Are my eyes popping? <laughs> Jackie's eyeballs are going to look so good in this shirt. Oh, now you look mischievous. Look <gasps> at you. Um, so again, that was Heart and Arrow gear on oh, I Instagram. Like it down there at the corner. She's super cool. She essentially does any personalized gear you want. So she'll make t-shirts, hats, flip-flops, stickers. Yeah. Um, these are for like gifts or whatever event you're having. So um, she has really cute stuff. And I can only imagine that all of her other stuff is just as soft. That's what I love about t-shirts the It's most. important that they feel right. Yeah. Because if it's... That's why we've had such a hard time making our own shirts. Yeah. Because... Gotta, yeah, I'm not going to just wear anything. Some of the people we've gone to, they won't even have samples for us to touch. And I'm like, let me touch yeah. something. <laughs> but these these are super rad thank you so much that was so sweet of you i love this i'm gonna wear this mm-hmm. right now because <laughs> i'm naked <laughs> jesus <laughs> um and you guys we have one more thing to tell y'all we have another live show coming up live show live show coming at you and this time we're gonna give you enough warning so if you guys want to come you can yeah um it's gonna be march 27th mm-hmm. it's gonna be at gompers distillery which fun. is that place is fun it's super fun because it's kind of like roaring 20s theme yeah i'm not gonna give away any secrets I'm just going to tell you that it's really fun. It's super fun. If you kind of want to see what it looks like, we have um, a story up on our profile, you know, like where you could save the stories, the highlights, if you will. And it's called 1920. So you could kind of go through there and kind of get a vibe of what the uh, live show is going to be like. Um, But that Gompers is out in Redmond. So we don't have all the details yet, but just mark in your calendars March 27th. And we hope to see you there. Live show. Boom, boom. All right. Now back to the episode. Man, wasn't that break nice? It was nice. Mm-hmm. Got a little water. Mm-hmm. A Russell crowed over here. So much Russell crowing. Okay, I'm going to tell you my story. I'm excited. I'm going to tell you about Ronald J. Dominique, a.k.a. the Bayou Strangler. I like it. Okay, so right off the top, my references are Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and a podcast, a podcast, a podcast, a podcast called Obscura. Oh, I've yeah. heard of it. You, I think you told me they had like a whole Reddit thing, right? That might be why I've heard of it. Yeah, they they like blew up on Reddit or something like yeah, that. Like yeah, like they post from like, hey, but here's my episodes. Like, give me some critique, and so I feel like Reddit's been a part of culture. Yeah, podcast. He has a really 
deep, soothing voice, and he put so much time and effort into his episode, and it's a two-parter, so um, if I tickle your fancy with my casual podcast rendition, go head over to his podcast, because he did a really good job. And I don't know that I said the names of the ones that I listened to, and now I've closed my computer, so Mm -hmm. go to our website, and they will be listed there. Perfect. Um, Okay, so Ronald was born on January 9th of 1964 in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Um, he grows up in a really small town and um, he run, uh, like grows up in a trailer park area. He's one of six children. And um, while growing up, he doesn't really have a close relationship with his father or his male re- relatives. So he kind of gravitates towards his mother um, and female relatives because um, the men in his family like to tease him and bully him a lot. Okay. Uh, so I think he was- I think he's going to be well adjusted when he gets older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely tease small children mm-hmm. within your lives. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so as a child, he's shorter and he's um, overweight. So he's a hard time at school as well. And um, again, he's he's bullied a lot and he's usually on, on his own and um a lot of the kids um tease him because they're like oh like we think you're gay when he's not in school or being with his family he tries to spend as much time singing in the choir and performing in his school's uh, glee club oh um so he's trying to find a an outlet um uh, one day while growing up ronald um is like at home and he like throws a ball up on the roof and he's like, ah, how am I going to get this down? So he climbs up a tree and when he climbs up this tree, he looks in the window and he sees that his mother is cheating on his father with his uncle. (gasps) So that's very jarring for him. Yeah. Um, So eventually... um, That's like also out of like a movie or TV show. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. Um, So he, um, you know, gets older and he graduates from high school in 1983 um, he kind of bounces around between family members. He's like living with his parents for a little bit and his sister and okay. um, other extended family. But he's family. not leaving the nest. Yeah. Yeah. He's still in uh, the town. Um, but eventually he does settle down like on his sister's property and he eventually gets his own like trailer on uh, her property. Um but in the meantime, he enrolls in a computer studies course, and he becomes the um, uh, like store manager of a convenience store in town. Uh, and he's known for being really generous and helping people in the community, and he does like yard work and gets groceries for people. Um, but on the flip side, he is also going to local gay bars in the community, mm. and so but his like family doesn't know that okay. he um, identifies as being gay, um, and he tries his hardest to fit in with the gay community there but he's he, like other people will later say that he's just really off-putting and he makes them feel uncomfortable and he doesn't really fit the type of guy that they're looking for okay. in a in a partner uh because at this point he's five seven and still he's overweight and he's like balding mm-hmm. um but anyways he you know spends his time at the at the local gay clubs and he also likes to dress up and drag and he loves to impersonate uh patty labelle Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and so he's he's a oh a white man, and Patty Labelle is not a white man. <laughs> In case you were wondering, um, hop onto YouTube and listen yeah. to some of her songs. Um, but apparently he does not do a very good impression of her. Um, but he really but he enjoys is it. Just out there. Yeah. 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 You gotta you gotta commend him for just being who he is. Um, at some point he enters a competition, like a McDonald's competition, to win a moped. Ronald went into a McDonald's competition. Oh Is that what you just God, told I didn't me? Even put that together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Ronald went into a McDonald's. Um, and he like signed up for this competition to win a moped. 
and Fun. Uh, and he wins. What's the competition? I don't know. But okay. he, wins. he wins a moped. Yeah. And he starts driving around town because this is his only means of transportation at this point. What a funny dude. And he gets the nickname Miss Moped. Oh. <laughs> um, so it's now June 12th, 1985. Ronald's 21 years old. Um, and he's arrested and charged with telephone harassment. I'm not quite sure what that means. Like if he was calling someone over and over again. Well, police got him. Or yeah, but someone nabbed him. Anyways, um, he pleads guilty and he pays $74 and he pays some court costs and it makes it go away. Hmm. Um, so during his 20s, he starts experiencing chest pains and breathing oh. problems and he's diagnosed with a heart condition. Um, in 1993, when he is uh, 29 years old, he moves into um, his own trailer on Josephine Street, and he starts working as a truck driver. So, you know, he... A long-haul trucker? Oh, I don't know. Um, and so the same year, a man... Re- okay, so that's all going on. So at the same time, a man reports to police that while he was out hitchhiking, Ronald offered him a ride, and why they were... While they were riding along, uh, Ronald's like, "Hey, man, like in the truck, not a, not the moped." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, man, you want to catch a ride Hop on, on my back? Um, Ronald's like, "Hey, man, like, do you want some weed?" And he's like, "Yeah, like, I love some weed." He's like, "Well, I don't have it right now, but like in a couple days, like, give me a couple of days and I could get some. So just meet me back here. I need to get a bunch of rope. I need to get." <laughs> yes, um, uh, I'll, I'll meet you back right here where I'm dropping you off. And the guy is like cool and so a couple days later the guy shows up at that spot and so does ronald and he's like oh you know what ah silly me i forgot my weed back at my house the whole reason i came here to meet you was about this weed <laughs> but like ugh, uh, such a silly forgetful guy oh you know me uh so just hop on in and we'll go back to my house so they get back to ronald's trailer and ronald's like oh you know what just come on inside man um you should actually see where i keep my weed in the bathroom it's really cool <laughs> and the guy's like ah okay uh, and so they go inside and he's like yeah yeah just go on in like look to the left like under the cabinet it's like a really cool hiding spot so the guy's in there looking around very bundy-ish and uh the guy's like i don't know what's going on so he like stands back up looks back at the door and ronald's there with a shotgun a shotgun just in a like very small room is terrifying yes um and so if you've got an open field like you could run away and you'll just get a little you'll get some pellets in your ass but like a shotgun up close is scary but like if you got some running room really i think i think so i feel like you're getting hit no matter what you're gonna get hit but it won't it won't be as devastating as you think yeah all right depending on what kind of do you want to try it out? We could go to a field. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Really it's probably people screaming right now. It's being like, what are you talking about? Um, okay, so gun in the face. Yeah. So Ronald's like, okay, you're going to need to get undressed. And um, so the guy undresses. Oh, he's in the second location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Ronald then handcuffs him and takes uh, takes his clothes off and he proceeds to rape him. Um, after Ronald is done, he tells the man to leave. Get out of here. So the man takes off running and he hears a gunshot behind him and he gets away and he like goes straight to police and he's yeah. like, blah, 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 blah. This just happened. And they're like, okay, well, we can see that you have ligature marks on your wrist and stuff. So let's take you down to the hospital. And they, um, they look for any signs of rape and they don't see any. So they just think he's making it all up. And so they don't investigate further. Okay. Yeah. Um, so May 5th, so a little bit, uh, time goes by and May 15th, 1994, um, Ronald is arrested and charged with driving while intoxicating and speeding. So he's kind of, kind of having like run in yeah. with the law. Um, he then moves to Oma, Louisiana and starts going to, um, local gay bars there and he starts to meet people, but he's not making deep connections with anyone. 
Um, and uh, fast forward a little bit again, and it's August 25th, 1996. And neighbors report hearing, like, shattering glass. And they look out, and they see this man running down the street from Ronald's house. And he is shirtless, and he has pants on. And this he's, is Dahmer stuff. And he's screaming over and over again, he's trying to kill me. He is trying to kill me. This is not going to be the end of your story. No. <laughs> this is crazy. And so the man eventually collapses in a neighbor's yard, and he has an extension cord wrapped around his arm. And so police come, and they take, you know, the man we see, in. We see these ligature marks, but... <laughs> God damn it. Um, so police come, and the man tells them everything. He's like, I, I met Ronald a few days ago while hitchhiking, and um, he Ronald said that he could give me drugs. So we went back to Ronald's place, and Ronald pulled a gun on, him, on me, and he tied me up with an electrical cord, and he raped me while holding a knife to my throat. Um, and after he was done, he told me to get out. So I jumped out a window to escape, which sounds just like what happened in the first. It's literally the same yeah. thing. Well, he's like, it worked last time. Yeah. Nothing came back on me. Yeah. So the police officer who was taking the report was like, oh, that's weird because I took a similar report a while back. In a different town? Wait no, no. He He's the same officer who took the first report. And he was like, oh, shoot. So Ronald's victims are usually um, men of color. And they are people who, um, in their eyes, have, like... The transient Transient. And they're into drugs. Um, they're known so to, cares to be into prostitution. Yeah. So they... And, you know, they're labeled the high-risk lifestyle, mm-hmm. which... They should still have investigated. Dahmer did the same thing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of okay. how he's getting All away right. with so stuff. So the second time, officer's like, ooh, shoot, this sounds real familiar. Yeah. And okay. all these neighbors saw everything. Um, so uh, they're like, hey, Ronald, can we talk to you? And so Ronald's like, yes, I know this man. And like, I'm, I did meet him out while, while hitchhiking. But we agreed that we were going to have sex. And, this was all consensual. Yes. And we agreed that we were going to have bondage, but, um, you know, um, it, it went out of control because then he was asking for money and then I felt threatened. So I pulled a gun on him and that's when you guys came in. So Ronald is arrested on forcible, uh, forcible rape charges and he's booked for a hundred thousand dollar, uh, bond. Hmm. Um, and while waiting for trial, he's waiting in jail and while in jail, jail, he's, um, reportedly raped violently multiple times, um, to the point where he has to receive medical attention. Um, so after that, he's like, well, I can't let people go anymore. I'm never going to get caught I'm, again. I'm, he's like, I'm never going back to jail. It's crazy how common that is. Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, I'll just start killing people then. Mm-hmm, I need victims still, so. Yeah. I can't have witnesses, though. Ugh. So you kind of see his train of thought going. Yeah. Um, So he's in jail waiting for trial, Um, but he actually gets all charges dropped against him because the man who was the victim in that second Mm -hmm. uh, episode um, can't be reached. He's in the wind. He's in the wind. And so later the victim was like, no, 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 no. I never received notice to report to court. And he's furious that he didn't get to represent against his accuser or his attacker. Yeah. Um, So... In 1997, authorities find... 97? 97. Yeah. So we... Yeah, because we're just in 96. 
Authorities find 19-year-old uh, David LeVron Mitchell's body near Havenville, and the body of 20-year-old Gary Pierre was found in St. Charles Parish six months later. In July of 1998, the body of 38-year-old Larry Ranson was uh, found in St. Charles Parish as well. So now we're just seeing body after body showing up, mm-hmm. victim after victim. Um, over the next nine years, more bodies of men ranging in age Whoa. from 19 to 40 would be found in fields, bayous, and in ditches and remote areas across nine different parishes. Um, the weird thing about this is that during the time Ronald is active, there are two other active serial killers in the area. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? With similar victim uh, no, profiles? No, the or? other two have, because I, I went to, I was curious, yeah. and I think I found them. Um, they both were um, killing women. Okay. Um, one of them, actually, was Derek Todd Lee, which we covered in episode 49. Ooh. Isn't that crazy? They're an hour and a half away from each other. Weird. Yeah. Um, of the bodies found, 23 of them were men ranging in age and some were black and some were white, but they had enough similarities besides all of that, that they're like, okay, all these victims are coming from one killer. So they finally put that, cause I'm sure for a little while there, there's the attitude, the, the whole like, uh, we're not looking into these murders mm-hmm. based on victim profiles. Mm-hmm. But I would think once, yeah, once they p- start thinking it's all one person, wouldn't you think that it might be someone that escalated from, like, you'd be looking at crimes like what he was, con- I guess he wasn't convicted. Yeah. Yeah. It depends how things are cataloged. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, at this point, he's kind of laying low and he's staying out of trouble. Um, so, a couple years go by and it's now May 19th of 2000. Ronald uh, gets a misdemeanor for disturbing the peace, um, but he pleads down uh, the charge. Um, in February uh, 10th of 2002, Ronald is arrested in Terrebonne pa- uh, Parish after he allegedly slapped a woman during a Mardi Gras parade. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, but that was a funny encounter. That's my tie. Oh, oh are you serious? You didn't <laughs> no. Like, during a Mardi Gras parade. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Um, according to reports, Ronald accused a woman of, uh, of hitting a baby stroller in a parking lot. And the woman was like, you know, it was, it was an accident. I'm so sorry. But Ronald just kind of goes off the handle and just starts verbally assaulting her and then slaps her across the face. My goodness. Um, so he's arrested, but he enters like an offenders program and he like pleads down. Um, so in the meantime, um, in 2005, um, a task force is formed and they're like we have there's too many bodies going yeah, on yeah. we have to figure this out so it includes nine sheriff offices the louisiana state police and the fbi well and louisiana's funky because you got all these like parishes and i don't really know what a parish is mm-hmm. uh, it's like a county right is it isn't it oh well, yeah <laughs> anyway yeah so they've got all sorts of people from yes. all sorts of places and they hone in on the 23 cases that they're like these all have the same Bullshit. mo um and they're like okay so for the most part they're homeless men um many lead high quote unquote high risk lifestyles mm-hmm. um some of them are drug users some of them have been into uh, prostitution before uh, the victims had been um asphyxiated or strangled and some raped and several were barefoot um and so it's been a while. It's been like a couple of years now that where like bodies are coming up. And so finally they're just like, Hey, everyone just talk to like, if you're a parole officer, talk to ex convicts, talk to 
talk to anybody and everybody yeah. you can. And so they finally receive a tip from an ex-con who's chatting with a parole officer. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I did have a weird run-in once. Like, I ran into this guy and he's like, you know, you should come back to my house. Like... I have a really shy wife, but she's always wanted to have sex with a black man. And like, here's a picture of her. And he showed me a picture of this really attractive woman. And so he's like, I went back to his trailer and we walk in and he's like, you know, like I said, my wife is really shy and she, because she doesn't know you, we're going to have to tie you up to make sure you don't harm her. And then she'll come out. And he's like, no, 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 dude. Like I, I'm not going to get tied up. And they go back and forth for like 30 minutes. And finally the guy was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, out of here i'm not doing this like take me back and so ronald takes him back and drops him back off where he picked him up so he's afraid enough of him he's like i need this guy well because i think because he he knows he can't overpower them because yeah. he's a little bit shorter you know and so that's how he debilitates them you know yeah um and so they're like okay can, do you know where this trailer is he's like yeah i can take you exactly to it so they get there and they knock on the door and uh, not with it they go back later uh obviously not with the witness um but they knock on the door and ronald answers it and he has this cane and he's like cobbling and he's like oh, oh like putting what's, on a show what's going on but remember he has that heart condition oh, okay um and so they bring him in um for questioning and ronald explains that yes he did encounter the guy that um they're talking about but again they agreed to bondage but it ended up not going the way they had planned and they're like okay well will you give us some dna and ronald's like sure sure thing and so he gives him dna but obviously that witness didn't have any dna on him from Mm -hmm. that night and at this time um, there, there was a backlog. There's still a oh, backlog. Yeah. But the backlog was over a year long to have DNA samples tested. There's a... Let's put it on our website. There's a website that links to each state and what their backlog <gasps> is. Whoa. And you can't... Like, you can donate money <gasps> to... The backlog? Like, to Yeah. Like, there's a... Wow. I didn't know I'll, you could do it by state. I th- I'll try to figure out what I'm talking about. Yeah. And we'll do some sort of link on our website or Instagram Perfect. or something. Yeah, definitely. Um... So they're like, okay, like this is going to take forever to get a hit back on this DNA. And um, a lot of the bodies actually, because of the temperature outside and where mm-hmm. they were found, they didn't have a lot of DNA evidence to begin with oh, to compare uh, it exposure. to. Exposure, as we learned at that thing, it's uh-huh. like sunshine, mm-hmm. temperature, like all that just yeah. degrades everything. Um, but they did have the witness like uh, look at a picture lineup and he picked Ronald out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. So the police were like, okay, we're going to start our own investigation. And they start looking into his past charges and like yeah, running with people. And they're finally like, you know what? We have enough evidence. We're going to take Ronald in. So they bring him in and they charge him with um, the murder and rape of 19-year-old Emmanuel Reed and 27-year-old Oliver Le- uh, LeBanks. And it's interesting because um, I'm going to rewind a little bit. The months leading up to his arrest, he had joined uh, a local like Lions Club. And he would spend his Sundays calling out bingo numbers to senior citizens. Huh. And the membership director said he was very well liked He's by a everyone. In the yeah, but he wasn't a pillar. You yeah, know what I mean? Not. He but he was like starting to find people he could like connect with, but at the same time he was murdering people at uh-huh. night. Oh, it's I don't know. It but always Do you think the whole bingo like do you think part of that is was he aware he was under investigation at that point? Is uh-huh. that do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is that you trying to create? Assimilate. Yeah. yeah maybe. Like, I need to look like a normal person. Yeah. His, actually, he was in such um, 
like scrutiny from the investigators that his sister was like, I don't want them around anymore. So she's like, you can't live on my property. So he's actually living in a homeless shelter at this point when they Whoa, go arrest him. Yeah. Um, so anyways, um, they arrest him and Ronald just is like, you know what? I did it. I did it. And this is how I did it. And I did. I imagine that's what they're assuming. Yeah. Like, like when they go to arrest, they're like, we think we can crack him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so he uh, confesses to murdering all 23 men. Um, he explains that he would lure homeless men in with the promise of sex or, or drugs, um, in exchange for money. And sometimes he would tell the men he wanted to pay them to have sex with his wife. And then he would show them a picture of an attractive mm-hmm. woman. Um, Ronald would then lead the men into his home he would um ask if to tie them up and then he would rape them and eventually murder them because he was like i'm not going back to jail um in his statement to police ronald said that the men who refused to be tied up would leave his home unharmed because he felt like he couldn't overpower them um so on september 23rd of 2008 ronald is sentenced to eight life sentences that's where he remains yes and he's out today no just playing no he will be there forever Wow. Isn't that crazy? Uh-huh. Yeah. It was all very recentish. Yeah. I just think, I mean, it's all crazy and how long he was killing and how many victims, but I think it's also interesting that three were active at the same time. Yes. And it was also kind of during when Katrina was going on. Oh. And so that whole mess was going on. So oh, yeah. like a lot of the investigation I'm guessing had to be postponed because they were dealing with that massive Yeah. Uh, when that disaster. lingered for a very long time yeah. and it still isn't fully all fixed down there. Yeah. But yeah, it just it just blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I also and maybe this is debunked, but I also um I also thought that serial killers would mainly kill in their own race typically typically okay that is true yeah sometimes it'll be an mo to be up but normally serial killers kill within their own race because for for him it seemed more like an opportunity thing yeah like i that's why it throws people off sometimes when they're investigating because they'll be mm-hmm. like oh this one's not a part of that because they don't match this mo that yeah, yeah 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 oh that's so interesting all right so our producer kimmery has shot me over oh, the nope, correct information not, not producer nope. Executive, executive producer. I almost said it, and I was like, I'll just say producer. That's funny. Our executive uh, in, producer. In case you don't know, Kimri was just um, promoted. Self-promoted. Self-promoted. <laughs> she made the executive decision to make herself executive. Add to her title. <laughs> I love uh, it. But the name of the website I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. which I also didn't know, Mariska Hargitay from Law & Order SVU, yeah. that she's one of the people behind this. That's crazy. It's called endthebacklog.org. And so you can pop in, you can put your state and see how backlogged your state is. Wow. And then become involved in whatever way you can be That's involved. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll put a link on our website for sure. Okay, so we haven't done this in a while, but I felt like we needed some self-care today. Oh, okay. um, so I'm going to tell you some jokes. All right, I'm ready. Okay. Um, well, actually, I would tell you a vacuum joke, but they always suck. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. Um, okay, what kind of shorts do clouds wear? I don't know. What kind of shorts? Thunderwear. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's sort of a cute little cloud uh, in all right. boxers. And um, I don't know if I said this one before, but I thought it was cute. What do you call an alligator in a vest? What? An investigator. An (laughs) investigator. It's all in that great delivery you just gave. Man, I'm a a performer at heart. Investigator. Investigator. Like an in and a vest and a a gator in a vest. Or an investigator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, that one. that was it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us during self care. <laughs> Have a great rest of your week. Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. Ha 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 ha!